I'm very excited to be here and sharing with you tonight. I have a message that um, I've never taught this before, and it's, uh, God has just been, I love it when he does this. When I share, when I prepare to share, it gets deeper in me. So I am so blessed to be able to share, because as I prepare the word of God, and as I prepare and look at what the word says about a certain topic, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper in me. So I get so excited, I can hardly wait to give it to you. So that's what this message is. The title, I'm going to have one of you ladies pass it out. The title is Pray with an Attitude of Thanksgiving. It's not just about being thankful. We are celebrating Thanksgiving next week. And when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we talk a lot about being thankful. But that's not what this message is about. This message is about an effective prayer. And it's about having an attitude. (laughs) God wants us to have an attitude. But the attitude that he calls us to have is an attitude of thanksgiving. So the first one of the first things I did as I was preparing this was I looked up the word attitude. Because, you know, if our teenagers have an attitude, it kind of has a negative connotation. But this isn't a negative one. This is a really good one. An attitude is a mindset. An attitude is a belief system. An attitude is something that is so deep in you that it can't be separated from you. One of the things that the Bible says is that out of our heart, our mouth speaks. That's because it's in there. And that's what this attitude of thanksgiving equates to. That we can walk with such an attitude of thanksgiving that it literally changes everything. It changes everything. And I'm going to give you evidence of that in the word. So I found this scripture. Oh, I I was just so excited when I found this scripture. This is Colossians 4, verse 2. So this is kind of our foundational scripture for this teaching. It says, be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. God tells us in his word. He says to be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life. And how does all that happen? How are we focused? How are we alert? How are we persistent? How are we devoted? With having this attitude, this attitude of thanksgiving. So the first thing I want to do is I want to look at our teacher. I want to look at Jesus because Jesus is a perfect model. And He shows us that he had an attitude of thanksgiving when he prayed. So let's look at this example. In the first example, what Jesus did was he made a point to thank his father for the little that he had. And when he thanked him for the little that he had, it was multiplied. It was greatly greatly multiplied. The little that he had was multiplied. When he gave thanks to his father, when he saw his father as his provider, when he had faith, we're going to talk how faith and thanksgiving are connected. And when he had faith, something happened and a miracle was released. So this is the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I'm going to pick up in John chapter six, starting with verse five. 
Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, when I read that, as I was just thinking and meditating on this, it was like, he already knew. Now, in order to know something before it happens, that's faith. To know the end result before you see it with your eyes or experience it, that's faith. So Jesus had a faith before anything else happened. And then um, he said he he was testing Philip, for he already knew what was going to happen. And then Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. And here is the thanksgiving. Then Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with a fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. And everyone was full. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left over from the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So Jesus took what little they had. He took the five loaves. He took the two fish. He gave thanks to his father. And then 5,000-plus people were fed. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers. There was a great multiplication. His thanksgiving, his faith, his thanksgiving connected, and it released a miracle. So we're going to look. This is just the first example. And we're going to keep coming back to these examples as we talk about how that applies to us in our lives and our um, attitude of thanksgiving. But here's a nugget. When we give God thanks, like Jesus did, that he's our provider and he's the source of our supply, no matter what little bit you have, your little has the potential to become a miracle. Amen. Amen. Thanksgiving releases miracles. Thanksgiving releases abundance. So that's the first example. Now here's the second example. In this example, Jesus thanks his father for hearing his prayer, even before he has the answer. So this is another biblical principle. Thanking God before you have the answer. And Jesus specifically thanked God that he heard him before he had the answer. And then a miracle was released. So this is the account of Lazarus' resurrection. John chapter 11, starting with verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. And then Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead for days, for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. 
And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. But I've said this so that they can believe. When we do the same thing, when we say, God, I thank you that you hear me, even though I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I see. I know that you hear me. I have faith in your word. I know that you hear me and that you answer my prayers when I pray. And that's what happened in this story in a major way. Starting with verse verse um, uh, 43. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. So, many times in our lives, we may go to God with such a great, heavy need that we are, are just asking him, God, please do this. God, please do that. Instead, stop and follow Jesus' example and say, God, thank you for hearing me. And because you've heard me, I thank you that I have what I asked for. That's a big difference. We're talking about effective prayer today. We're talking about having an attitude of thanksgiving. And there's a big difference between saying, God, please do this for me. He's already done it. We don't need to ask him to do something he's already done. Instead... Do what Jesus did and say, God, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. And I know that when you hear me, I have that thing that I've asked for. Now, what I just spoke is in the Bible. And I'm going to show it to you because it's very closely connected to Jesus' prayer. The scripture is 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. And this is what the Bible says. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I know you hear me, Father. The Bible says it, it's truth. And I know, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. That's a confident scripture. We can, I do take the scripture. It's not just we can. We need to. I do. This is one of the scriptures that carried me when I was in the middle of a battle of cancer. Because I would read this and I'd say, God, that's your word. And when you read it in the Amplified, let me read it to you in the Amplified. It, it, it is so rich with Words of confidence, words of, of utter faith that it, it just exudes faith when I read it. First John 5. Okay, listen to this. And this is the confidence 
the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have in him, we are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Whoa. Isn't that awesome? Now, there's one variable in that prayer. There's an if. The if is if we ask anything according to his will. Now, here's the good news. This is his will. This is his will. We don't have to question it. If it's in his word, it is his will. So if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, according to his promises, then we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the answer to the request. And it says in the Amplified, as our present possession. Here. Now. Today. Now, you may not have seen it manifest yet, but it is your possession. I was talking to my friend Suzette. Suzette, raise your hand. Before the meeting. And we've just really been closely connected in her journey that she's on right now, her healing journey. But one of the things she was telling me is that as she's praying God's will, as she's declaring the word of God, she said, something is happening inside of me. Now, the something she's talking about is a spiritual something. Could very well be a physical something, too. But we know it's a spiritual something. And the way that we were talking, the way I was trying to explain something in the spiritual realm is kind of hard to put into words sometimes. But I believe what that is, is a connection between the finished work, which is our inheritance, and our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And as she's declaring those words, her soul is stirring. Her soul is moving. And there is a connection when her soul is agreeing with what's done in the spiritual realm. And then it has, it's like a bridge that is moving that thing in the spiritual realm into her body where she has a need. That's what the scripture is talking about. When we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us and we know that we have that thing that we prayed for, that we've asked of him. Thank you, Jesus. So God's word is his will. Another, oh, Amazing piece of evidence that it is God's will to heal is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the perfect picture of the will of God. He perfectly displays the nature of God, the heart of God. And when Jesus walked on this earth, we see him heal, 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 and heal. Never turning people away. Never having any, um, uh, uh, Anything that stands in the way of healing. He points us to the will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So 
coming to know God's will through his word is really a big deal. So, I want to dig deep now into what that prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving looks like. We've looked at what Jesus did. We've looked at, applied it a little bit to us. But now I want to get very practical and help us all to understand what it means to pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. So, one very foundational scripture that talks about this is Philippians 4, verse 6. And it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God says, don't worry. Instead, pray. And then he says, pray, and it uses the words with prayer and supplication. That means specific requests. With thanksgiving. God doesn't say pray and then get your answer and then give thanksgiving. He says to do what Jesus did, to pray with thanksgiving. And then, and then, and let your requests be made known to God. And then it goes on to say that he'll guard your heart and your mind with his peace. So, he says to pray with thanksgiving. So what do we thank him for? Two, two big ones. This is what we're going to focus on. Two big things. The first thing is to thank God for what his word says he's done. Thank God for his promises. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, Ascends to God for his glory. Oh, I love this. For all of God's promises, every promise in this word has been fulfilled through Christ. And God puts his big stamp of approval on it. His big yes. God says yes to every one of his problems. He does not say no. I've heard that. I've heard that from teachers of the word. That sometimes God says no. If there's a promise in the word, he doesn't say no. And how do I know that? Because his word says so right here. And I believe his word over anything else. I believe his word over experience. He says yes to his promises. But we have a part to play. Our part is to respond with amen. Our part is to agree with God. That's what amen means. It means, I agree with you and your promise, God. It means, yes, so be it. I love to use the same words that Mary used when she said yes to accepting the, the, the Messiah into her womb. She said, be it done unto me according to your word. She said, let it be done to me, God, according to your word. And I say that a lot when I pray for you or when I pray for me. I say, your word says this, God. I declare his promise. I declare his word. And I say, let it be done to me or to the person I'm praying with according to your word. I say, amen. I say, so be it, God. And what happens? God is glorified. 
When we say yes, guys, when we agree with God, he's glorified. He's lifted up in our sight, in our lives. He's lifted up. The next time I teach, I'm going to teach about praise, about magnifying God, about exalting him, about glorifying him, about ministering unto him. When we say amen to God's word, when we are thankful for his word, for what his word says he's done, and for his promises, he's glorified. As I was, again, just meditating on this this week, I was kind of differentiating between two things. One of them is a testimony of healing. When we share testimonies, I know God's glorified. I know that my testimony glorifies God all the time. It shows who he is and what he does. But when I read this, God showed me it's not just the end of the story that glorifies him. In fact, this probably glorifies him even more to agree with him in the middle of the journey before you've seen the full manifestation. Even before, when you're agreeing with God, it blesses him, it glorifies. It's faith. It doesn't take faith to glorify him after you have the, the testimony. It doesn't have take faith to believe him after you have the testimony. But boy, it sure does in the midst of it to, with a resounding yes, a resounding amen, to cry out to God and say, I believe, I agree, I don't care what I see or what I don't see. I believe you at your word. So those promises, the promises of God, what the word says God has done, those promises of your breakthrough are contained in the seed of the word. I hope I wrote that on your sheet because that's an important nugget. The promise of your breakthrough is contained in the seed of scripture. And the seed contains a harvest. So as we are agreeing with God, that seed, we're watering it. We're fertilizing it. And our faith is growing. And that seed is, uh, is that's Suzette, that's what is going on in you. That seed is being taken care of. And that, that seed that looks like nothing is sprouting and growing. And it has the potential to become a harvest of healing. And that's what I believe you're feeling and I'm feeling. And we're all feeling when we're meditating on God's word. So, there is a connection between thanksgiving and faith. We talk a lot in here about believing God at his word. There's a connection between an attitude of thanksgiving and faith. So let's look at this scripture, the next, the next scripture count. This is another one. These are all scriptures I've never used. Well, I've used some of them, but a lot of them are new. And it's like, whoa, God. This is Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now that word the, the, at the end where it says abounding in it, the pronoun it is referring to the faith. 
It says we've been, and we're going to go back to the first part of the scripture in a minute. But it says that we have been um, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught. Abounding in the faith with thanksgiving. So I want to take the last part first. Abounding in the faith with thanksgiving. The word abounding means existing in a great or plentiful quantity or supply. Abounding in great, plentiful quantity or supply in faith. So your faith is in great measure. Your faith is in a great supply. Plentiful quantity. Isn't that good? But it is abounding with thanksgiving. That faith that this is talking about, that faith is in great supply with thanksgiving. So here's another one of those those Holy Spirit algebra equations. Okay? Thanksgiving equals abounding faith. And that's good news. But if we put the word no in front of it, it still balances the equation. No thanksgiving equals no abounding in faith. Wow. So this attitude of thanksgiving that we're talking about today builds our faith. And that faith sustains us as we continue to believe for our miracle. So the faith that is built, Nathan, you know all about this. You're in the process right now of knowing some amazing truth and having the miracle somewhere over here. And you're in a gap. And this is what sustains you. This is what carries you. It's this, this, um, the faith that can, that sustains us while we continue to believe for our miracle is thanksgiving. So in this process, if we go back to the scripture, it says that we become rooted and built up in him and our faith is established. We become rooted and built up. First of all, let's back up even further. Have you received Christ Jesus, the Lord? That's number one. If you've received Jesus, the Lord, you walk in him. He's in you. He's in you. You're in him. You walk in him. We need the revelation of that. We carry Christ in us. We have the kingdom of God in us. We have the same power and authority because we have Christ in us. So, As we walk, it says, we are rooted and built up in him, and we are established in the faith. Okay, let me back up again. We become rooted and built up in him, and our faith is established as we persevere and persist. Keep going, keep going, keep going. As we stay firmly anchored on the word of God and his promises, that word is our lifeline. That word is the, the, the lifesaver, preserver that is thrown out to a drowning person. Hang on to it. Don't let go. And thank him for his promises. 
even when our natural circumstances show absolutely no sign of improvement. Whoa. There's a whole lot in there. I have to say it again. Did I put this on your paper? Okay, good, because I want you to have this to just meditate on this week. We become rooted and built up in him and our faith is established as we persevere and persist, as we stay firmly anchored on the word of God and thank him for his promises, even when our natural circumstances show absolutely no sign of improvement. So don't abandon the promise. Don't let it go. Don't step away from your miracle because you haven't seen the final result yet. The key to sustaining our faith while you're in that gap between your present situation and what you're believing for, the key to sustaining our faith is giving thanks, first of all, for what the Word says God has done, for what the Word says is accomplished, the finished work, and number two, for all the signs of progress along the way. Thank God for what he's done, what his word says he's done, and for every step of progress you've seen along the way. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be what you've seen along the way. It might be what you've seen in your past. It might be what you saw 10 years ago. You can keep those things in front of you and thank God for them. And it will sustain you in that place where you're knowing that God's word is the finished work and it's yours, but you might not have seen the finished work yet. So I want to give you an analogy now. Um, Think about an apple tree in the fall, a mature apple tree that is heavy with apples. And I'm picturing red now because they stand out. And you see these red apples just covering this tree so much that the branches are heavy with apples. An apple doesn't become an apple when it's fully grown. An apple begins its life in seed form. That big harvest of apples that you see on that tree is contained in one seed. Think about that. One seed is all it took to grow that apple tree. Now, it took years and years and years and years. But that one seed produced a harvest of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rich, sweet fruit, apples, that couldn't possibly even be enjoyed by one family or one person. There's just too much. It's overflow. All from one seed. So in that same way, miracles do not come to pass only when we receive the complete breakthrough. Every step of progress we experience on the way to our breakthrough, on the way to our healing, should be celebrated like a seed of the complete miracle. We see this in ministry all the time. I am so blessed to be able to see people and to recognize what God is doing along the way. It's just sometimes overwhelming to me. Suzette and I have been talking over the last couple weeks, and she's been sharing 
little pieces of what God has shown to her. Now, she doesn't have the final good report yet, but she has a whole, God is working in her. God is showing her himself strong. She's being built up. She's being strengthened. I've told her the last two weeks, I said, you're glowing. You're literally glowing. She says, well, it isn't me (laughs) because she doesn't feel like she's glowing physically. But there's so much going on within her that there's, it's, it's the steps of progress. I have a good friend um, from high school who connected with me about two weeks ago. Um, she's my only, my only high school friend that I still, you know, talk to and everything. And she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. She called me, thank God. She lives in Connecticut. But she called me to tell me about it. And my friend doesn't know the Jesus we know. My friend doesn't know the heart essence of the gospel. The too good to be true news. She doesn't know that. So I've been sharing little nuggets and and just pouring them in. But it's all new to her. It's all foreign language to her. But what I saw, God is so good. I saw my amazing God doing what he did for you, Chris. Meeting her right where she's at. The day after I, she called me, the very next day, um, I prayed with her that first day. The next day, she called me. She says, I just got a call from the, the big medical center because she's from a small town. So she, first she had all the tests done in her small town, and then they sent it to a big medical center. She just got a call from the big medical center, and the big medical center said, this might not be what they thought it was. This might be, um, um, what did she tell me? I can't remember. But it's much downgraded. Much, much, much downgraded. And she was ecstatic. That happened overnight. And I don't think that was a coincidence. And then, uh, I've been praying with her almost every day. And then... I got a call, and, and she was going to have, um, she had to have another biopsy because of that different diagnosis. And if that new biopsy came back negative, they were going to completely change the protocol. So we're believing for that biopsy to be negative. She doesn't have the re- results yet, but we have God's results. But then, she out of the blue, she said, she had that test called um, the BRCA gene test. Yes. And... Um, she hadn't gotten the results yet, and <laughs> she called me. She said, they lost my blood work, and I have to go get the blood work done again. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, you're so cool. You're so cool. I said, okay, Trudy, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the genetic yuck, if there is any, to completely be removed because Jesus became the curse for us. So we don't have to carry a genetic curse. We have the DNA of Jesus. But if you're ignorant and you don't know that, you don't know to receive it. So we stopped. We prayed, believing that her genetic makeup is the DNA of Jesus. So that's the kind of example I'm saying. Look at, she doesn't have a final good report yet. But look at the small steps along the way and rejoice in it. Okay. So what I want to do now is I want to, on your sheet, it says, This is right from the word. What do we thank God for? We've already talked about thanking him for for his promises and thanking him for the small steps of progress along the way. But the word says, 
to thank God for who he is. Let me show you that in scripture. Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Oh, I will praise the name of God with a song. As we, as we just lift up our voices, whether it's in singing or whether it's with words, we can praise him for who he is. He's Jesus, the healer. He's Jesus, our peace, the prince of peace. Many of us are in that place where you really need peace. It's hard to have peace when you're walking through a really hard time of your life. But he's this prince of peace. So praise him for who he is. Praise him that he's your provider. Praise him that he's your, your savior, your strength, your joy. Whatever it is that you're in need of, he is that for you. And as you praise him for who he is, it just is like released into your heart, into your soul. And then it goes on and it says, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I was looking at that word magnify today. And that word magnify, we know it means to make it appear big. When you look at something through a magnifying glass, it makes it appear big. But God is big. There's no, I mean, that's a given. God is so much bigger than any issue of life. But I believe what Thanksgiving does is it changes our perception. So we perceive him as he is. And as we magnify him, the problem is in its rightful place, which is minimized. Because our God is so much greater and so much bigger. But that happens as we magnify him with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. The problem takes on its proper perspective as we see God through the eyes of thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, and this is from the Passion Translation, you can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring him your thank offering and affectionately bless his beautiful name. Mm, isn't that beautiful? This, when I was reading this, it was reminding me of the, the account of the ten lepers. They were all healed. All ten were healed. All ten were cleansed of leprosy. But the one that gave God the thank offering, the one that came back and thanked Jesus, he was made whole. It released a miracle. His thanksgiving released a miracle. The others were healed. And I believe, and I may not be right, but my perception is that healed means that the, the disease was halted. And, and there was no more progression. And they were able to go back and be with their families and, and live their lives to the full. But they probably had body parts that had, they had lost because that's how leprosy worked. They probably had deformities because that's how leprosy worked. But the man who came back with thanksgiving to Jesus, it says that he was made whole. The, that's the only one that uses the word sozo. The other ones use the words, uh, the Greek word iaomai, which means healed. But it doesn't mean whole, made whole, restored to normal. The man who gave thanks was restored to normal. I believe that his nose grew back. 
His ears grew back. Whatever he had lost, his fingers grew back. He was made whole with a thank offering. So we thank God for who he is, but we also thank God for what he's done. Psalm 26, 7. I wash my hands to declare my innocence, God. I, and I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase this for Cindy because I'm a New Testament daughter. I come to you, God, declaring my righteousness, declaring my worthiness, not because of what I've done, God, but because of what you did, Jesus. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. That's what we talked about earlier, declaring what he's done. Psalm 107, verse 22 says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and rehearse his deeds with shouts of joy and singing. Again, rehearsing his deeds. That means talking about it. And you talk about it a lot. Those things that he's done, go and share with everybody you can share with. Share with me. Share with Pastor Tim. Share with our ministry team. Share with your sisters, your mothers, your brothers. Share with your, 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 the people that surround you. Every step, share that, those good newses. Share the, the prophetic words that God has given you. Share the, the, the rhema that is lifted off the page and plunked in your heart and is carrying you. Share the, the, the confirmations that God has shown you and given to you. Share the, the little steps, like my friend who the diagnosis is changing right before our eyes. Share all of those details. Those are sacrifices of thanksgiving. Because every time you share them, you're in awe of God. You're thanking God. You're glorifying God. My first book, which is A Blessed Journey, it's over there on the table. It's my testimonial book. That book came from my journal that I had kept during my healing journey. And all I did was I wrote down all those amazing things God had done. It was the first time in my life I'd ever seen God do anything. I'd never noticed before. I'd never prayed before. I didn't have a close relationship with God. And I had literally never known his work through experience for myself until then. And I was undone, like, every day. And I would just jot it down. My, journal, my journals are messy. They're not pretty. They're not well written. But I did write down everything God was doing. And that's what I put in that book. I took that journal out when God said, you know, you need to share this. And that was the, the foundation of the book. So keep those things. Rehearse them. And, and I strongly re- recommend that you journal about them. Okay. So this is the last thing I want to share. I'm going to share with you right now an effective prayer model using thanksgiving as part of your prayer. In, I want to go back to Colossians 4.2. Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer, in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Okay, so what does that look like? Now, these things that are on your paper are guidelines. There's not, it's not a formula. It's not, okay, i got to read this from the paper and make sure I do all of it. But I want to help you to be aware 
of what it looks like. And then we're actually going to, when I pray tonight, I'm, I'm going to use this prayer model as we pray corporately. So here are the four pieces of this prayer model. First of all, pray and thank God for who he is and what he's done, just like we already talked about. So that's how I open my prayer. If you, if you've, I prayed for you. You may not have noticed, but 99% of the time, this is how I pray when I start. I don't start by praying for your whatever your need is. I start by putting my eyes off of you and onto God. I magnify him for who he is and what he's done. And I also, in this opening part of my prayer, that's when I thank him for all those little steps of progress that he's bringing to my memory. I thank him for those things. So that's a big chunk of my prayer. The second part of my prayer is declaring God's word, his will, over that mountain in your life. Remember, the promise of your breakthrough is contained in the seed of the word. And we want that seed to be stirred, the soil of your heart to be stirred, and a connection between the seed and Jesus' finished work. We want that. So declare God's word. Now, you may not know what God's word says about your situation. That's when it's your time to go to God and ask him. Or to go to your concordance or to go to Bible Gateway or to come to Pastor Tim or Chris or me or Barb or Mary Lou or somebody on our team or Pat. People that are here with a badge on. We'll help you find scripture if you need help. So pray God's word. And then do what God says to do. The kingdom of God resides in you. Let it go. Release the kingdom. Release the authority and the power and speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Don't ask God to move that mountain. Talk to your mountain. That's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say to ask God to move your mountain. The Bible says speak to your mountain. He has given us the authority to do it, but we need to do it. So that's when we speak right to our body or situation or whatever it is that you're praying about. We speak to the mountain. And then the fourth part is to do what Jesus did. Thank God for what he's done before you even see the end result. Thank him for his promises. Thank him for hearing you. Thank you for answering your request, even before you see the result. When he was thankful for the fish and the bread, it released a miracle. So thank him for his promises. Thank him for what you've asked for, knowing that according to 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, it is yours. 